Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you're joining me today. Today is part two on the fact that we were created in the image of God. And so what does that mean? When you think about what does it mean to be created in the image of God, imago Dei is the Latin phrase meaning image of God. Well, it means that humans, unlike the rest of all of God's creation, are uniquely created to reflect God's image. It means that we are created in such a way that we have free will, we have a moral conscience, we understand the concept of everlasting life, all because we were created in the image of God. So when God created Adam, it says that God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being, a living soul, a soul that was going to live on forever. So when we are born again, when we put our faith and trust in Christ, the soul, the real part of us, is regenerated. And the real part of us, the soul, is going to live on for eternity in heaven. Now, because you're created in the image of God, you also have that soul even as a non-believer. You see, a non-believer has a soul that's going to live on forever somewhere. It's going to be separated from God because that unbeliever has never had his soul regenerated. It's never been born again. He's never become a new creation in Christ. So when an unbeliever dies, the soul departs from the body, and it is separated from God and spends eternity in hell. That's a scary thought, isn't it? But God made a way so that nobody has to be separated from him for eternity. God loved us so much that he brought about redemption. He didn't love the animal kingdom so much that he brought about redemption. He loved humans because they reflect his image. Uh, So why does this really matter? Well, when you look at, for example, the civil rights movement within the United States, you know, Martin Luther King gave a strong appeal for civil rights. And Martin Luther King drew out at least three major conclusions as to why he felt it was so important for all humans to have civil rights. As a matter of fact, there was a book that was written, and it explains the theology of Martin Luther King Jr., and the main premise of his theology was that all individuals, all individuals, regardless of skin color, all individuals, all humans are created by God, and that they were equally valued, and as much as they are birthed with this inherent dignity that ultimately represents the right to bestow just and fair treatment. And so that was the whole premise of his theology and why he was so heavily involved in the civil rights movement. Uh, Since we are created in the image of God, that's where our inherent worth comes from. It's not just that we produce. Uh, It's not just that we are worth something. We are valuable because God created us in his image. And I want you to know that not just Adam was created in the image of God, but if you look at Genesis 5, uh, we have the account of Adam's family line, and it says in Genesis 5.1, when God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. So everyone that's human, right? That's everybody who's listening to me, is created in the image of God. So there's some blessings for that. There's some responsibilities that come along with that. So as we look at it, we looked at um, six things yesterday that that means, okay? That means that we rule. That means that we relate well with others. That means we can reproduce. Uh, That means that we can reflect. That means that we can rejoice. And it means that we have the capacity 
to enjoy rest because our sins have been forgiven. But let's take a deeper dive into what this means in the day-to-day operations of our lives. Because we are created in the image of God, we have the ability or the capacity to reason. And this ability to reason or reflect actually grows as we mature. Do you remember what Paul said to the Corinthian believers in 1 Corinthians chapter 13? He says, you know, when I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. But when I became a man, I did away with childish things. So as we are created in the image of God and we as, as we are brought into this world, we have this ability to grow in our reasoning ability as we get older. As a matter of fact, when you think about that, maybe you are of the persuasion that when you wake up in the morning, uh, it's hard to get out of bed, hard to get moving. I, hey, I get it. I'm with you, okay? And maybe you wake up in the morning and say, oh, good Lord, it's morning. But as you grow in your relationship with the Lord, instead of saying, oh, good Lord, it's morning, the enemy, Satan ought to be saying, oh, no, he's awake, right? Because as we mature in our walk with Christ, we know more about who he is. Our human reasoning grows, right? We have a greater understanding of who he is. Now, human reasoning alone isn't enough to discern truth from error. The best protection against deception is to know God's revealed truth, the Bible. You know, when you think about understanding the Bible, it's so important that we spend time daily in God's Word. Now, I've taken on a challenge this year that I'm going to try to read through the Bible four times in the year 2024. And so I am already through the book of Psalms, okay? As I am reading the Bible and I'm listening to the Bible. And so I I try to listen and read at the same time. And I find that that helps to keep me on track. And so I use the YouVersion app and they have different Bible plans. And one of the plans that you can click onto is the 90-day plan. And so that's what I'm doing, uh, the 90-day plan. And I'm about 45 days through it right now, and uh, making good progress. I've just finished up the book of Psalms and my walk through the Bible. But when you prepare to, uh, to study God's Word and you prepare to get into God's Word, oh, have you ever heard the expression that you made a gut decision? Did you know that your gut health is instrumental in shaping thought patterns. I don't know if you ever experienced like a gut check moment. You know, you make that decision that goes right to your gut. Well, according to ABC News, our abilities to think and employ solid reasoning are owed at least in part to the health of our digestive tract. We don't normally think of digestive track in these terms, but there is a body of evidence that supports this idea. So scientists call the 100 trillion bacteria and 100 trillion nerve endings in our gastrointestinal tract as our second brain. Now, this brain communicates with and is known as our gut-brain axis, and it explains why gut health can improve the conditions of our lives, conditions like depression, and Alzheimer's. Now, some people often associate chemicals like serotonin with the brain, but most of our body's serotonin, 
our sleep cycles, and our appetite is found in the gut. On the flip side, other studies have shown a relationship between imbalance in gut bacteria and a rise in the neuroimmunities that we have, the inflammation that we experience, those inflammatory diseases. But here's some good news. If we can establish the practice that we can promote good gut health, it affects our ability to reason. It affects our ability to walk in wisdom. So our ability to think correctly and make decisions, good decisions, is also influenced by a healthy relationship with our internal guide. And so I want to encourage you today, not only have biblical reason, but take care of your health in such a way that you have good gut feelings, right? You know, this really hit home with me because I was really struggling with a battle with ongoing heartburn. And so I began to change my diet, began to exercise, and uh, my gut health is improving, but so is it my biblical reasoning able to improve. So when you think about biblical reasoning, God created us in his image, and he gives us this capacity to know what is right and what is wrong. Psalm 119, verse 73, your hands made me informed me. Give me understanding to learn your commands. Now, when we misuse our reasoning ability, you know, we can do that. We can take truth and twist it. When we misuse our ability to rightly reason, then we will eventually deny God's existence and worship idols. Now, God has placed upon us the ability to know the law instinctively and to do certain things instinctively. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 2. He says, when the Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law, these not having the law can become a law unto themselves, in that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness, and their thoughts alternatively accusing or else defending them. So, when you think about reasoning, God created us in his own image. He created certain things within us that are self-evident of his existence. He gave us a conscience, and he gave us his creation. Now, our conscience, if it becomes defiled, a conscience that will begin to become a law unto themselves. This is where everybody does what is right in their own eyes, right? That's kind of where our culture is today. But if that conscience has been redeemed, then we have that ability to understand the work of the law that is written upon our hearts. And our conscience bears witness to the fact that God has created us, and we can have sound reasoning. So that is all as a result of the fact that God created us in his own image. So do we have this ability to reflect and this ability to come up with sound reasoning? Now, this is why it is so important when you think about what is happening in our world today. We are spending hours and hours and hours on social media. As a result of spending hours and hours and hours on social media, our brains are becoming rewired. In other words, we're losing the capacity to think consequentially and to think logically. We're just throwing out and living on sound bites. As a result, we have a hard time figuring out the consequence of our behavior. Part of that is the work of the enemy. 
The enemy is working soundly in our lives so that we will not have biblical reasoning. So when we misuse biblical reasoning, we have no other way to go other than to worship ourselves or worship idols. Now, there's something else that is noticed when we are created in the image of God. Not only do we have biblical reason, but we also have godly relationships. We can relate with others well. We have this ability to empathize. You see, the Bible is clear that men and women are equal in the eyes of God. They are both created in His image, Genesis 1.27. So we have this ability to know how to get along well with others. Now, psychologists say that if we live a life of self-justification, we choke out love right out of our relationships. There is a book that was written by Carol and Elliot Arison, and it describes this fixation on our own righteousness and how if we are fixated on always proving our own righteousness, it can choke the life right out of love. This is what they write. The vast majority of couples who drift apart do so slowly, over time, in a snowballing pattern of blame and then self-justification. Each partner focuses on what the other one is doing wrong while justifying his or her own preferences, attitudes, and ways of doing things. From our standpoint, therefore, misunderstandings, conflicts, personality differences, and even angry quarrels are not the assassins of love. Self-justification is. Now, if you have ever experienced a relationship breakup, you have seen this happen. And not only in marriage does this happen, but in all relationship breakups, where you say, I look at the wrong that somebody else is doing, and I embellish the wrong that they are doing, while I diminish my self-justification. I say things like, I can't believe that person did that to me. I would never do that to anybody. We begin to justify our own behavior while looking and snowballing the wrongs of others. If you are going down that path, especially in a marriage relationship, that marriage, unless there is a major change, is not going to be lasting long-term. You know, when you look at marriage, I encourage you to lower your expectations of your spouse and raise the expectations of yourself. What we tend to do is just the opposite. We have these high, lofty expectations for how our spouse should be treating us, and very low expectations of ourselves. So when I do pre-marriage counseling, which I don't do a whole lot because I discovered sometimes people aren't ready for good, solid marriage counseling, but occasionally I do some pre-marriage counseling, occasionally I do a little bit of marriage counseling, and I tell couples, lower your expectations of your spouse. Expect nothing from them, but expect much from yourself. And as you give to that other person, expecting nothing in return. Oh, you're going to get some things in return, I promise you. You know, if you're in a good relationship with a member of the opposite sex, you're going to discover that God is going to bless you. And so when we look at godly relationships, we must remember, constantly remind ourselves that all are created equal. 
Now, when we get to the point when we think that we're a notch above somebody else, we begin to misuse that person and even oppress that person. I remind you that we are all equal and we're all made in the image of God. Proverbs 22.2 says, The rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord made them both. Romans 3.23 reminds us that all of us are born under sin. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But thank the Lord for John 3.16. All people are morally equal before the throne of God, and so Christ died for all. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him, Whoever, doesn't matter your skin color, doesn't matter if rich, poor, or somewhere in between, doesn't matter what your IQ is, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, God redeemed us. God gave us the opportunity to be redeemed, all because we are created in the image of God. Jesus' atoning sacrifice for our sins and the sins of the old world was made possible because we were created in the image of God. This ought to impact our relationships for good. We want to love others because God has loved us so much. You know, when you think about loving others, we love others not because others are so lovely. Now, if we did that, we'd only love those who love us back. We love others because God first loved us. Now, that will impact your relationships positively. So, we have a responsibility to reason biblically to have healthy relationships. And then number three, because we are created in the image of God, we ought to exercise wise rulership. Let's get back to Genesis 1, verses 27 and 28. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So, our job as humans, now humans are the only ones that are giving the job of ruling. It was God's design that humanity be created in this way. It is a gift and a privilege that we reflect God through our ability and our capacity toward moral and spiritual oversight. So we're to rule by being fruitful and by multiplying. Now, when this is abused, we tend to abuse authority. We tend to misuse what it means to rule over somebody. This is where we are ruling without love and without compassion. When I think about being created in the image of God, I should treat others as God treats me. Now, in Genesis chapter 5, it says that, Adam lived to be 130 years old. Then he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. Uh, So here we see an example of Adam and Eve reproducing themselves. When I think about rulership, the Bible says in Proverbs 29, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked bear rule, the people mourn. So, when we look at rulership, God established three areas of authority or rulership. Number one was the family. And God has raised you up 
O men of God, and I'm thinking about all the men who are listening to me right now, God has given you authority within your family. God has given you authority within your home. And if you don't rule well, then your children who are coming along, if they don't learn to respect and obey authority, they will embark upon another institution that will teach them to live under authority. And so we are teaching our children to respect authority. If they don't learn it within the family unit, God also established human government. And the purpose of human government, if we take it to its basis form, is to reward good and to punish evil. So if your children don't learn to obey authority within the structure of the home, then the government will step in. I have the opportunity to minister to men at St. Bride's Correctional Center. And these are men who are being incarcerated. They're being corrected for their refusal to live under authority. So God establishes human government. And there's one other place of authority that God has established, and that is the church. You see, God created the church. And isn't it amazing when Paul is instructing the husbands how to love their wives, he tells them to love them as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And so when we think about the structure that God has created, God wants us to live under authority, and if we're in a position of authority, to rule well. In the book of Titus, we learn that young Titus was to learn to be subjected to the powers and to obey the magistrates and to be ready for every good work. It was part of the job of being a good minister. In Romans chapter 13, the government is likened to a minister, a minister of God, and designed to do good. Now, I know oftentimes we look at human government and we say, man, this thing is highly flawed. That's why I'm so thankful that we live in a country that we can vote out or vote in different people, and we will vote for the best candidate, right? Those who will look out for the best interests of our country. You see, when we look at this rulership, it is really a spiritual issue. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul reminds us that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. So we are to rule well, we're to have good, healthy relationships, and we're to reason biblically. That's our responsibility. So what does this mean to us personally? What does it mean when we say we are created in the image of God? Well, I think it means that we have value and we have dignity. Genesis 2-7, the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living creature. So when we take it back to Genesis chapter 2, we learn that our dignity comes from the fact that we are created in the image of God, and God gave us a soul. God gave us the capacity to rule well. So I want you to join me tomorrow as we kind of wrap up this whole image of God message. And I'm going to give you some really personal illustrations of how we can live in dignity. But join me for part three of this message tomorrow, just before I sign off for another day. I want to pray for you. 
Do you have something specific that I can pray for you about? If you do, just shoot me a text message at 252-267-2365. We also, in the fall of 2024, will be offering first and second grade at Hickory Ridge Academy. So if you're interested in enrolling your child or your grandchild at the academy, give me a call, 252-267-2365, or shoot me a text, and I'll get you the information that you need to enroll in the academy. If you're looking for an opportunity to be involved in teaching and leading these young, precious children and raising them and teaching them the truths of God's Word, uh, would you shoot me a text and we will set up an opportunity to interview you and hope it's a good fit for you to come and be part of our, our academy. Good things are happening at Hickory Ridge Community Church and Hickory Ridge Academy. Love to have you part of that, okay? So Lord, thank you for the fact that you created us in your image. We are overwhelmed with the fact that you have stamped your identity on us. You created us in your image. You have big plans for us. And so we pray that we will follow through with these plans. Thank you for everybody listening to this broadcast. I pray a prayer blessing upon them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.